Judas. Oh, oh, oh goodness. Oh, Jane. Oh. Jane, I... Oh, this, this is a problem. We, it's freezing. It's, it's so cold. Uh, when, when we did the pilot, I, I, I thought we were only going to do the one episode. I didn't think people would buy into it. And, oh, if, I, if oh. I'd known, I wouldn't have picked a podcast format that requires harvesting from the top of this mountain. I know. Oh. Who on earth thought that Antarctica was the best place to keep podcast ideas? Oh, goodness, we keep asking the audience to people who didn't make it to the peak. How far have we got to go? Oh, God. God, I think that's one of my old podcasts. Oh, no. Oh, God. Keep going. Oh, oh. oh. oh we made it. We're at the top. Oh, there it is. There it is. The interstitial tune that allows us to go from this into the actual podcast. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. We did a pilot episode and people seem to like it, so we're back with another episode of a podcast where we do silly voices and skits and talk about our week and just generally be queer people that have a conversation about stuff. Woo! Woo! Conversations, they're a good place to start. What have you been up to this week? (laughs) Uh, I've been shouting at my PC for yeah over an hour of installing. Yeah, Windows is like, it's great when it works, but like every iterative version of Windows has just been like, can we force you to do longer and longer updates God. that seem to change nothing? We're free, but we're much, much more annoying. <laughs> who who doesn't love free but annoying, huh? Me, me, I, I love, I, I don't love free but annoying. Uh, in other news, after over an hour of trying to sort this shit out and now ending up recording on my laptop, my PC has finally finished doing its thing. Yeah, this is this is what computers <laughs> do. As soon as they realise, like, oh, you don't need me now. Okay, I'll finish. Yeah, it's the equivalent of lighting a cigarette to make the bus come. Yeah, exactly. It's just as soon as like you've you've resigned yourself to it not happening, it's gonna happen. Yep. Uh so yeah, what what have what have you been up to this what week? What have I actually been up to? Um, yeah, what have you actually well, what have you been up to as opposed to watching happen and not being <laughs> up to? Um ooh, well I've 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 uh, watched some stuff, I listened to some stuff, I've played some stuff. Where do you wanna start? Uh, let's start with watch some stuff. What have you been watching this week? Uh, well, to celebrate my birthday yesterday, uh, I, I I sat and watched um, Leon uh, Renegade Cuts uh, made a, a film, a feature-length documentary, Left Behind and the Translation of God. You know, it's just some light viewing <laughs> to celebrate. Um it's about two hours long, and it's about a a series of heavily Christian books about things that are are sort of watch it. It's interesting. Um, I I can't really do it justice. I do not really understand enough about Christian theology to really talk about what it's actually about. But there are, there are some misunderstandings, some mistranslations that are brought up, and and about how that has affected American culture over the last. X number of years, because uh, as a lot of people um, are, are sort of characterised as being very much sort of, well, we haven't read the book, but we will watch the film, and mm. um, that the even even that you know the films themselves are based on a series of books, um, and it, it seems like uh, the the impression Leon is giving throughout that film is that uh, a lot of sections of American Christianity have taken these films as well you know this is this is where it's all coming from and this is where it's all going and you're very bad people and you're going to hell and blah the Antichrist is coming as someone who studied theology for a while uh, Christian theology in particular Mm. there is a lot of like very interesting learning to be done about like Hey, why do people who follow Christianity today view the religion the way they do? Like hmm. what what things do they believe that are not necessarily based on the 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 sort of older texts? What hmm. things are a lot more sort of 
modern interpretations or spins on the text mm. than people necessarily realise. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff, and I'm not pointing that out to say, mm. like, Christianity as a religion is less valid because of it, but it's important if you, if you practice a religion to understand mm. what things existed it were written in what time period mm. what things were introduced as translations happened mm-hmm. what things were perhaps cultural artifacts of the time that they were written later politically even yeah, which politically the film even, goes yeah. into yeah um, like there's there's stuff like um divorce divorce is a really easy example mm-hmm. of divorce used to be completely forbidden by the bible and then basically king henry the 8th created a new strain of christianity in england so that he could get divorced and that basically kind of muddied the christian viewpoint on divorce forever mm. yeah there's things like that it's it's all interesting yeah i mean it's 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 two hours of very interesting stuff um not just about um, the book, the the series of books and the films that that have been based on that, but also about Christianity as a whole and and what they believe. In fact, there is a good uh, sort of twenty minutes at the beginning where they talk about where he talks about what do Christians believe and and sort of how there are many many different factions within that that all mm. sort of come come from a very similar base, but take things differently and and obviously some take some stories from books of the bible to be um more literal or more um uh, i can't remember what the word is but it's it's uh, it's figurative, a, figurative like a, a yeah. parable you know it's it's supposed you're supposed to learn something from this story rather than going this actually yeah. literally happened as as someone who spent a good 20 years of their life practicing as a christian mm-hmm. um I've been to churches where it's like, nope, the creation story, totally you can take that as just a metaphor to explain mm. something we did not understand that teaches us as a parable. Yeah. And I've also been to churches where it's like, yeah, the bread and wine, once you swallow that, it literally, not figuratively, literally will turn into the body and blood of Christ as you swallow it. So oh, like, there that's are, terrifying. There are diff- yeah, there are differing schools of Christian belief out there. And, and the other thing I watched in, in the spirit of, of light-hearted viewing uh, yesterday was I sat down and watched a four-hour documentary about the Nightmare on Elm Street series uh, called <laughs> Never Sleep Again, the, Le- the Elm Street Legacy. Uh, have you slept since you watched it, or did you take their advice and never sleep again? Uh, no, it was okay. I slept because at the end of that, they assured me that they probably weren't making another uh, Freddy film following Freddy vs. Jason. So if they're not making another film, that means that like it's over now, and and he's not going to get into your head if you go yeah. to sleep. One, two, Freddy's not coming for you anymore. Freddy's retired, <laughs> decapitated, <laughs> winked at camera. Oops, spoilers for Freddy versus Jason. Uh, one, two, Freddy's fed up with coming for you. Fred, one, two, Freddy's got other things to do now. You sit there and watch telly. Ah, oh, flashbacks of childhood. Um, what have you been watching? Uh, the main thing I watched through this week is I, I binge-watched uh, season four of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which mm-hmm. basically it's been out for a while, but it only just got added to Netflix, which is when I get around to watching the new series of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anyone who's not watched it, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a 20-minute episodes comedy series about a police station in America. And one of the things that's really nice about it is they do a really good job of not only like representation, but also intersectional representation. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really nice about it is pretty much any minority group archetype you can you can think of has not just one, but at least two people of that minority group in the show, so that one person is not having to act as a stand-in for an entire minority group. Bowser. Yeah, I know, right? So you like. You don't just have the one black police officer in the station, you have the one who is, like, a very emotional, but is also at the, like, officer level, but is very strong, versus the one that grew up during a time where being black and gay in the police force was a problem, and as such, he's a lot more emotionally reserved, but he's also the one in charge of the station, and, like, you have multiple groups that are just like, oh, there's not just one person of this group to represent all of the group. And also the comedy is generally like very progressive. I can't think of a time in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they've made a joke at the expense of a a minority group where I was Mm. like, "Mm, no, I'm not keen on that. Like 
it's all just very good humoured fun. With Punch this, up. Yeah, with this just cast of silly police officers that bumble around trying to just about do their jobs. Excellent. This sounds yeah. more of that, please, in the world. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, I watched through season four and mostly it continued to be a series of standalone stories. Uh, there is a little bit of a an overarching plot that they sort of had a couple of episodes about at the end of the season, and I am dying to know how they resolve the cliffhanger they <laughs> ended the series on. So, all I want to know. Uh, but yeah, no, that that's what I've been watching. Just some, some very light-hearted comedic telly. Excellent. More of that, please. Indeed. food over there, there's food! Pizza! Looks uh, lovely! Okay, okay, get it, okay, okay, get it! No, wait! Wait! We must obey the five second rule. Uh, sir, sir? What, 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 why? Why, why can't we just, I, I'd love to go get on that food. Why, why can't we go get on the food Yeah. It is written in the most ancient of our texts that we must obey the five second rule. Well, I, 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 I don't understand. Surely, surely our job is to be on that food and we should just go straight to that food. Like, what? Look, look, you are aware that humans produce various cleaning substances. Yes. And you are aware that most of them kill 99% of germs? Yes. Many years ago, we made a pact with the humans that they would not kill 100% of us if we would stay off their food for at least five seconds. That was the agreement that our forebears made. Well, I, I suppose, but it seems like such an arbitrary amount of time. Like, surely, surely the humans would have wanted to strike a deal for more like 10, 15 seconds, and... There was a lot of back and forth. Well, I, I'm impressed, sir, that we got such a good deal out of the humans that we only have to give it five seconds. Are there any exceptions to this? Are there any times where we're allowed to get get on it in less than five seconds? Marmite. We're allowed to go for Marmite as quickly as possible, because that stuff's gross, nobody wants it. What, what about what about things that have fallen into, like, wet mess? You know, what if someone, like, you know, drops something in some sick? Well, then, of course, we have to hand it over to the uh, stomach bacteria, who uh... are already there in present. And in many cases, they will, they're so ingrained into the, the culture of us, the germs, the bacteria, that they will recoil back from the food for the first five seconds. And, and I, I, have, I have, I guess, only, only one more question. Now I, now I stop and think about it, sir. Why, why is it that, like, dry, dry food somehow, like, why, why do we have to leave that longer? Why is that okay for longer than five seconds? It's just not worth it. You know, like, nobody wants a bit of dry pasta. Boring. Pizza, om nom nom nom. Speaking of which, shall we uh, get on that? I think it's I been, think, I think been more than five seconds. Good evening, everyone. Fred here from Channel 7 News, and I'm here today in Dorset to investigate the local sample mines, because we've unfortunately had a terrible cave-in, and we'll get down to that in a, in a moment, but I uh, I have one of, the, one of the workers from the sample mines here for an interview. Um, hello. Hello there. What's your name? It's Clive. Hello, Clive. Um, I understand you work in the Dorset Sample Mines. Could you tell me a little bit about the job for those who don't know what you do in the Sample Mines? Well, we have these specially modified picks. They've got little microphones on the end. We dig out the samples. We, we were uh, recently Ooh. just found a, a lovely, lovely seam of hi-hats. It was brilliant, just, just digging along, just... See, this is fascinating. I think most many people don't know that uh, that the parts that you find in music, the music samples, are a, a natural resource. Um, have you ever worried that that as a natural resource, we're going to run out of samples while while exporting them from Dorset, which, as we all know, is the world capital of music samples? Well, you'll find that musical genres come in and out depending on sort of what we're digging out at the time. Recently, we've had uh, an awful lot of wubs, so we have been uh, naturally exporting more dubstep. Fascinating. And um, can you tell me a little bit about what caused this sample mine cave-in? To be fair, we had found some absolutely massive wubs just... We should have seen the signs. Unfortunately, they were such good wubs, such dirty, dirty bass, and it was absolutely fantastically dirty bass. The the miners were really getting into their groove, proper uh, cranking it out down there. But uh, all of a sudden, there was a build. There was definitely a build. We should have known. We really should have known. All we could hear for a while was just... Oh, goodness. Naturally, a drop was going to come. Oh, no. Did you accidentally hit the drop? 
we we actually hit the chop, and and naturally that did lead to a cave in. Uh, lucky no one was hurt for long. I think we've developed a whole new style of like electronic jazz. Ah, uh, I'm I'm glad to know that that nobody was was too terribly hurt when the beat dropped. Well, um, do you have any final parting words for 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 those who are interested in a career for in in the sample mines, or for anyone who is concerned that that mining in the sample mines is causing damage to the Dorset countryside? Always wear a hard hat. And some DJ headphones. Remember, E11s... E11s? (laughs) Attenuating earphones are absolutely vital when you're working in a noisy environment for long periods of time. (laughs) I think you should leave in the giggle about E11s. I think they're E11s. I I don't want to give people bad advice about... I don't know. I I like that you sort of thought about it giggled and kept going <laughs> okay yeah. well that's fine we can do that Yay. then what happened what have you been listening to this week Ooh, there's a question um i've been i've been sort of tripping back through because uh, a couple of weeks ago i had my week where i went through the complete king gizzard and the lizard wizard the entire discography uh, to celebrate mm. the release of their most recent album on the very last few moments of uh, 2017 I listened to um, a load of My Chemical Romance and Fallout Boy and I listened to my first Panic at the Disco album I think it was how, the how, week before last How did you find listening to your first Panic at the Disco album? I wasn't really into it I think it was their first album I don't know if they got better after that but I didn't really dig it I, I wouldn't necessarily say better. All okay. of their albums sound very different. No, no two of their albums have the same sort of sound oh, to that's... them. Okay. They're, they're one of those bands that, like, every time they release a new album, it just sounds a bit different. Well, I imagine that keeps it interesting for them. Yeah, like, they're, they're a band that, like, I'm surprised at, like, I honestly think the music they're making today is better music mm. but it sounds like a completely different genre to where they started okay well maybe i will dip back in and, and try some more of that I, I might try sending you a couple of tracks i think you Ooh, might like please. i do like recommendations uh, the disco I'm, I'm having a quick look at their discography to be like what would be my recommendations for people who are like what what are some some songs from later in their career uh but that means finding a discography. They've, <laughs> okay, they've released at least like nine bands. Uh, nine, nine bands. bands. <laughs> they've released at least nine albums, and I'm suddenly having to go through and be like, where is just a list of what's on these albums? Um, I quite like some tracks from the album Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die. That's a Hunter S. Thompson quote. I believe so, yeah. Um, so the, some of their stuff on there is like, they they have some interesting songs about addiction on that album that are Ooh. quite quite impressively written songs. There we go. See all. See so, all. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I might recommend stuff like "Don't Threaten Me with a Good Time." Uh, okay, is is quite a good one. I quite enjoy uh, "The Good, The Bad, and The Dirty." Ah. Mm. Uh, and let's find one more to recommend. Let's Kill Tonight would be my third recommendation. So there's a few from across there, things that are like, don't sound... I think when when most people think of Panic! at the Disco, they think of their first album. Mm. That's a couple of later songs that are like, eh, give those a look. Okay. Those are I interesting will... ones. I will give them a check out. Um, what I actually ended up listening to this week, uh, I went back to some of my favourites. I listened to um, some Oscar Schuster again. Um, I'm sure I've played you some of this. It's lots of found sounds. Um, it's quite European. There's a lot of accordion. There's lots of like music boxes. Um, the album mm. in particular that I like has lots of sounds of um, like uh, typewriters clacking. Ooh. Over like music boxes and quite a um, couple of tracks to check, which you can you can find yourself. Uh, Marchin and Wunder, mm. uh, both both very good albums, uh, both very good tracks um, from the same album, I believe. Uh, I, mm. I'm always up for music like that that takes sort of found sounds and layers them in. 
Uh, mm. It's completely skipping my mind. I'm sure if you Googled this, you could find it. But there's a song from the Traveling Wilburys that uses a bunch of sounds played on things in a fridge. Oh, cool. Yeah. I always love where it's like just throwing in some like odd sounds to give a unique feel to a track. Mm, definitely. Um, sort of following on that theme, I have listened to some... Um, Ellen again, which is uh, E-L-E-N-N-E, um, particularly a track called King of Thebes. It's sort of modern funk with, instead of a vocal track, it's like vocal sounds that have been edited together to sound like a lead, but without actually being any specific words. A bit like Pogo, if you've ever heard Pogo. Oh. The other thing I've been listening to is uh, Silent Hill soundtracks again. Oh, that's so good! They're always nice. Like I love, I love Silent Hill soundtracks. Like on a dark day in winter, particularly mm. if there's a little bit of mist, they can just mm. be so nice and atmospheric. Yes, I think my my the the thing that because I've not listened to these in a while and I, I used to have them all on my uh, mp3 player uh, back when I was working in retail still so probably about six years ago now and every sort of January or the first couple of weeks of January maybe that's what made me think of it um, we had to do stock take usually on or just around my birthday which meant I spent the first three weeks of January up a ladder counting stock before the stock take happens so that they can just mm. scan it off a list. Um, but they w wouldn't pay overtime. And as manager, I was responsible for making sure that the stock take still happened. So it was my responsibility to basically be the one that did all the work. So I'd send my staff home at six o'clock because they're like, we're not getting paid, bye. And I'm like, that's totally fair. And I'm not the kind of manager that will tell you that you can't go home yeah. when you're not being paid. Um, so I would be sat up, up this ladder until I think the latest I stayed there was about 4am. But the shop was oh. in a shopping mall. And I, I don't think before that I'd ever been there until a sort of past maybe 10 o'clock at night at latest. I imagine a shopping centre gets really damn creepy at that time of night. Oh yeah, especially when you've decided to put the Silent Hill soundtracks on... Over the tannoy. Oh gosh, that I imagine that was both amazing and creepy as hell. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Just a little bit scary. Uh, what was the track? Everything on the Silent Hill One soundtrack from Not Tomorrow to My Heaven. Uh, I was up a ladder, falling asleep, literally falling asleep at about two in the morning, and those tracks came on. Oh. Uh, that the, they turned all the main lights out the security guards did not seem to be coming past and I think if I'd seen one walking past in the dark outside my shop I probably would have capped myself I, uh, I can understand that Yeah, but if, if you want some who needs a horror film uh, the Silent Hill soundtracks and a particularly dark empty supermarket uh, <laughs> a, a shopping mall Will uh, will be quite sufficient to give you the uh, heebies and the jeebies. Both the heebies and the jeebies. Mm, a good quantity. What about <laughs> you? What are you listening to? Uh, I've been listening to a few new tracks this week that I've been mm -hmm. really enjoying. Um, I think most of the ones I've been listening to this week have been very like, here is a guitar and like quite a good, fast, steady drum beat and some emotive, quite fast lyrics over it. Seems nice. to be like my, my genre of choice this week. Um, one I've been really enjoying is a track called Creative Drug by, uh, what is the band called? By Nowhere. So Creative Drug by Nowhere. Ooh. And lyrically, it's, it's a track that, like, I, I read over the lyrics while I was listening to it the other day, and I was like, I can see why bits of this got to me, because it's basically a song about someone who is absolutely addicted to work and completely, like, uses it as their sense of, like this is what's keeping me going and this is what I, you know, find my sense of fulfilment in and I, I'm like, I, I, wonder, I wonder why any of any of that rang true for me. Hmm. But yeah, it's this sort of like, it. I will say, it doesn't paint that necessarily as a healthy thing, which I think is a healthy thing for the song to do. It hmm. sort of paints it as this like compulsion and addiction 
is what comes when like motivation is healthy and having things to strive for is healthy but when you put too much of yourself into that and don't see yourself as a person outside of it that can get quite unhealthy mm, yeah. so i think it's a very interesting track i think it's mm. that if you just like read the lyrics without the, con- the context of the music it reads like a very well written poem like it's a very well flowed set of lyrics so Two. yeah that's that's one i recommend quite highly um another one that sounds very similar in its sort of tone is dead bird by Muck Cafferty. So that's M C C A F F E R T Y, McCafferty. Um, and it's another one that's like very, very lyrically emotive about watching bad things happen to someone and basically w- the struggle of wanting to see them toughen up because you don't want to see the world hurt them because it's like the world's kind of shitty and I don't want to have to tell you to, you know, you know be 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 tough uh, toughen up about this but also i don't want to see the world break you down it's it's quite a sad song but like it's it's very very pacey um it's 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 the kind of song that i've just had in the background of my week just go 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 sort of momentum to mm. it so yeah both of those are like neither of them's necessarily a happy song but both of them i think are like very well made songs yeah um, and the other one, let me pull up my Spotify, because there's at least one more I've been listening to. Oh, another track from Welcome to Night Vale's uh, weather <laughs> segments, uh, Stupid by Brendan McLean. I don't know it by name. Uh, it's basically a song that's very lighthearted and upbeat, uh, where this, this man is basically singing about a bunch of things in a relationship that are ultimately tiny, small things that don't really matter, mm. and using them to excuse why he ultimately left someone. It's like, oh, if, if you'd made me coffee, I could have loved you, and it's it's the way this song is put together, it's like, okay, it's clear there was something something else going on that you just didn't want to deal with, so it's like, mm. ah, if you, if you weren't so like this, I could have loved you. And there's a weird dissonance between all these nitpicky things he says and the tone of the music mm. that's really fun to listen to. Okay. So it's it's a very odd one. Uh, the video is fascinating because it's the singer just like having having a whale of a time dancing to this music while there is a very upset woman in the background like punching cakes and throwing things at the wall. And it's... I don't know, there's just a weird contrast that's fascinating to watch. Mm. So, I, I highly recommend that. Hello, dears, and welcome to another episode of Eating the Rich, a recipe guide. I'm here today with Deirdre. Say hello, Deirdre. Hello. Oh, hello, Deirdre. Today, once again, we're going to be talking you through Eating the Rich, a guide to destroying the bourgeoisie through a recipe. Uh, what ingredients do we need today to eat the rich, Deirdre? Well, I think today we're going to go for something slow-cooked. There's, there's lots of uh, lots of good meat, lots of good fat, lo- lovely marbling there on the rich, I find. Well, see, what I find with the rich is because they've, eat, they, they've, they've got so much access to food whenever they wish, mm. you, you often find that they have a little bit of fat to them, so slow-cooking is a really good way to make that fat just fall right off the meat. Absolutely. It makes absolutely wonderful gravy. Oh, goodness, yes. Don't, that's always our tip for eating the rich. Don't, f- don't throw out any of the juices. They make for good gravy. They do. Save the gravy. Save the gravy, save the poor, eat the rich. So, mm. as the name might suggest, eating the rich, you don't want to have too large of a portion. They're quite a rich, heavy meal. I find they that are. one one member of the bourgeoisie can easily feed a family of ten. For a week or so. Oh, indeed. You just have to make sure you use every every part of the rich person. Well, it's terribly cruel if you're going to kill an animal to not eat the whole thing. Make sure you're using the whole thing. Possibly turn their skin into some kind of very soft leather. Waste not, want not is the way I put things. Waste not, want not indeed. You can use their skull to hold some nice candles. Yes, absolutely. And I tend to use the bottoms of their teeth 
as a toothpick, a toothy oh. toothpick. Oh, 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 how gauche, how clever. I've taken mm-hmm. to, to sewing the teeth into children's dolls to give them a more authentic smile. Oh, absolutely. I find that they are wonderful. And if not that, I've, I've taken to, to shaving off the hair, carefully matting it up, and then making lovely felt hats. Oh, it's a wonderful idea you've got there. With, absolutely. And making, making such good use of every part of the rich person. Oh, I'm, absolutely. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry. It looks like our time is up, but... Um, oh, no. More garlic. We've put our rich person in the slow cooker, and next time... And we'll be back to show you the results. Exactly. Down with the bourgeoisie. Down with the bourgeoisie. Enjoy. Hmm. Oh yes, look at look at this one. The the bold lines, the such stark colours. It's an excellent example of. Um, look, I'm really I'm really sorry to bother you, but I've I've been staring at this painting for for a while, listening to you talk about it, and. I don't know if I'm looking at it wrong. I'm I, I'm not much of an art person, but to me this just looks like a blank sheet of paper. I'm not seeing any any art materials, like any paint or anything on this. You clearly wouldn't understand. Perhaps your eyes are not used to this fantastic style of uh, homeopathic art. Hom- homeopathic art? What do you want yes, about? It's- Homeopathic paints on canvas are very, very special. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure there's no paint on this canvas. No, you don't understand. It's ultra-nucleated paint. You see, once long ago, there was a pigment in the water that was then diluted and diluted because water has memory, you see. And this is an example of how these pigments, have, they're just so vibrant, even though there's such a small amount left in there. This is Hahnemann's finest work. Well, see, here's the thing. Surely it would be more effective to use enough of the pigment that we could actually see it, and then, you know, we could see what it was doing. And surely, surely, if, like... Here's the thing, I'm looking at this painting and I can't see it doing anything, and surely if this homeopathic paint did something, I'd be able to look at it and tell you what it did, like what what was happening with what the paint had done. But the fact that I can't tell you what it's done <sighs> in in a vacuum probably means it's not done anything, surely? Perhaps to your uncivilised, untrained eyes, which we fine art critics can obviously tell a Henneman from a Kent or, or anyone else indeed. This piece here, of course, one of Constantine Herring's finest works, of course known as uh, To Heal a Broken Heart. It's an absolutely stunning piece. Uh, I believe that the... Uh, uh, ultra-monacular qualities of the very highest. I think there is uh, approximately one uh, quadrillionth of a part per million of, of pigment within the paints used on this particular canvas. Uh, well, um, here's, here's what I'm going to offer to you then. Uh, here is this bottle of definitely not just plain placebo paint water that I have, and it's it, it, it once had... It once had Vanta black in it, the blackest of blacks. How much will you give me for it? Well, of course, I myself am not a painter, but perhaps if you could find one of the, the great homeopathic painters, they'd be terribly interested in such a thing. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with paint, thanks. Well, Homeopathy sucks. <laughs> what have you been playing this week? Um, I, well, I've not been doing a lot of gaming. Uh, I, I have played the Dragon Quest Builders demo on Switch. How uh, did you get I, on with that? Um, I, I, it's a good demo. I, I liked it graphically. It's very cute. Uh, character design's very nice. The, the main conceit is a bit weird. Um, the world it's... has been pl- plunged into sort of chaos and darkness. Uh, but nobody in the world, no human, knows how to build. Only you are blessed with the power to build, and you have suddenly come from from nowhere. It's it's kind of like the the way I was hearing it when you described it was the Lego Movie, but if that that went further, like this whole not only can people not like remix things, they just can't build at all. Yeah, they 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 talk about how 
surprised they are when you first make a torch. It's like, oh, mm. we really need a light source. That's what would really make a house. So you 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 know you take the a bit of slime and a bit of wood, and you make five torches. And this char- other character, um, I think it's like Poppy or something, Pippa. It had a P, and it might have been one of the names from Bleak Expectations. Um, and they they're like, oh, you have you've built a torch. How? What is this building that you have done? Confusion, confusion. And it's like, well, you're wearing clothes. Where did they come from? Did you find them lying around? And and you've what? It, how have you eaten up until now? Just the berries off the ground. Okay, that's fine. There there, there are a few things that just made me go. Mm-hmm. But I've just seen a campfire. Where where did where did that come from? Did you wow. just wait till lightning struck and then just stoked that fire forever? How did you know to add sticks to it if you cannot uh, well, build? See, all of the, like you know the the branches fell off the tree. The lightning accidentally hit the branches, and because the the fire the fire was under a tree, more sticks continued to fall and accidentally created kindling. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this 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 fire that I found in the middle of nowhere outside a small tumble down house. Um. Someone took the tree. <laughs> someone it, stole it, the tree. Someone stole the tree that had been kindling the fire. And like you know, they stole it in the last hour or so. Or maybe that's what I saw walking through the swamp that time. <laughs> I did see this large tree thing. Um, there are lots of interesting enemies, many of them completely undefeatable with the weapons that you are provided and able to get. Um, and the demo seems to sort of tail off. It, it doesn't really after tell not you having it's done over, much. does it? Um, not that I. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but I I went and got a a, a second character out from under a, a dirt mound, and you get them back to town, and they're like, "I've got this book thing." Here's some cloth. Okay, uh, now what? Now what happens? And I've had a bit of a wander around. I found a small reptile. Well, I say small. It's about twenty times larger than I am. It's a sort of green dragony type thing that's asleep. I found some walking tree things near a swamp that kicked my ass. Yeah, and then I I started the whole demo again from the beginning and tried to build a very tall block of flats out of dirt because <laughs> it's the it's the only material that you can freely gather. I haven't found any way to gather stone, so I was just like, I'm just going to build this as tall as I can. Ooh, five hundred and fifty. You say that this particular building uh, room is worth. I say it's a horrible dirt block with some straw beds and a chest in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. I, it sounds, it, the way that you've been making it sound to me basically sounds kind of like Minecraft if it had a bit more plot and structure. Uh, I would say Minecraft meets ARPG meets some kind of uh, village manager game. Which, like, I'm up for that. Like, Definitely. I hadn't, I hadn't been considering looking at it until you told me about the demo and I've been like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I could go for that. Suck it and see. The demo is free. Um, I, and I caved and bought the game so now i just have to wait till february 9th for it to come out it's almost there it's almost so there. Close. and I've, I've got things to keep me busy in the meantime yeah um, other playing i did a little bit of splatoon 2 uh, i now have my working switch dock back after the brief my switch dock broke um <gasps> problem uh so now i can play splatoon 2 on a big screen but the problem is i cannot work it in tv mode the controls do not work for me in TV mode. What is it about the controls in TV mode that just doesn't gel for you? Because it doesn't default to um, motion control or mm. motion assisted um, when you when you're in TV mode. Um, and I've I've always had a bit of a problem doing like shooter games on mm. on controller. I'm mousey keyboard girl. On 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 handheld, I can I can do most of the movement with the the control with the the stick, and then just do little fine fine motor stuff with the uh, the motion. But and I can't seem to make that work, even if I force motion while on a TV. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I I I need to go back and play more Splatoon. I've not played it in Let's a while. Play Splatoon. Depending on how late we finish this podcast, we might play some tonight. <laughs> Uh, what else have I played? I played Pandemic Legacy in that's, a non-video that's, game. Yeah, that's a that's a game, but not one of the video ones. Yeah, yeah. 
That was fun. About 13 months ago, I started playing Pandemic Legacy Season 1 with some friends. We played uh, January, and then we went to open the secret dossier at the end of January, and went, fuck, all of these are in French. (laughs) So we contacted the manufacturer, and they're like, sorry, that happens. (laughs) We'll send you out some new ones. So we got the new ones, and then we sat down and we went, okay, we're going to play this. Cool. And then we went to play February in like may i think and we looked at it and went shit we were supposed to play another game in in january but we fucked up (laughs) so we went all the way back to the beginning peeled all the stickers off the board (laughs) (laughs) um then we sat down and played all of january through again (laughs) (laughs) and now we have finally played a game in february which we kicked ass at Although Northern Europe is uh, rioting, so, so for anyone, sorry, Northern Europe, we couldn't save you. For anyone that doesn't know Pandemic Legacy, would I would I be explaining it fairly if I said that it's like you have a map and you're mm-hmm. trying to stop a disease from spreading across the world? Four, four viruses. Okay, you're trying to stop four viruses spreading around the world, but like the thing about Pandemic Legacy is that when certain things happen in the game, you get told to, or you might choose to open up bits of the game that then will like oh put these stickers over the board and now the game is different forever um depending on um basically uh, as cities get infected with this virus there if they get a certain amount of disease counters on them there is a possibility that that virus will have um an outbreak and spread to all adjoining cities mm. um and that can cause cascade effects over large chunks of the map which are really really bad well i know Um, there's things like somewhere in the box there is a a a packet that's like do not ever open this ah yes box number eight i think it is or box number 10 and if Um, someone opens it it changes the game all all of the boxes change the game or most of the uh secret dossier it's like opening an advent calendar. You you have so many different things to open. Uh, <laughs> we opened one this month that gave us a whole new set of counters that were specifically used to quarantine cities. Um, but it's like, um I'm trying to think, Plague Inc. But mm. instead of playing the virus, you are playing the people fighting the virus. Uh, <laughs> and instead of there being one virus, there's four. And uh, currently we've got to a point where one of the viruses is completely incurable. Uh, so you can't get rid of anything related to that particular virus. You and if it gets have... any worse, you just have to quarantine it and hope for the best. Oh, goodness. Goodness it's, gracious. It, we thought it was going to be a lot more stressful than it was. Uh, especially given that we had um, t- three, four massive outbreaks in January. Um that meant that there were like level two rioting all oh. across Northern Europe. <laughs> that does not sound like a fun place to be. But because that those riot stickers stay on the board, we know that from now on, that is always a level two. And if things get any worse, <laughs> that that city might become completely impossible for us to travel to, or uh, we wouldn't be able to cure anything in. We uh, we wouldn't be able to move around it, and it could potentially infect. That that could create a massive potential for for spreading the virus further out. It's bad news. Yeah, that that is bad news. <laughs> yeah, pandemic on its own is, is is quite. You very often feel on the back foot unless you've played a good few games. You can sort of power game. You can kind of power game it if you know what you're doing. Um, and the other thing is because it's a co-op game, you can end up some. Sometimes with people who are very much like, I know all the things, I know all the best strategies, let me tell you what to do. It's like, but what was the point of me playing if you're going to play everyone's parts? Exactly. You've got to let people work together. Yes, very much so. We didn't play it this week, but there's a game we played a little while ago that I wanted to bring up because I thought it was just really fun. It was. So we've we've been playing a deck building uh, board game called Clank. Mm-hmm. So, I bought Clang for myself for Christmas. And it was a very good Christmas gift to yourself. Um, so Clank is a deck building card game where every player starts with the same deck of like 10 cards and you can use resources generated from it to, to buy new cards to add to your deck to try and build resources faster. 
But the difference with this is you've also got a, a board game board that is a castle with, like, a dungeon below it. And everything you do has the potential to make noise, which might wake up a dragon and cause the dragon to attack you and do damage and maybe kill you. And you've got to try and get into this this dungeon, get as much treasure as you can, and hopefully get out alive with it. So you don't automatically take damage for making noise in the game. The more noise you make, the more counters of your colour get put into a bag, and then when the dragon attacks, you sort of randomly put your hand in and take out a certain number of these counters, and the more of your noise counters got put in the bag, the higher the chance that you'll, your cubes will be the one taken out and you'll take the damage. <laughs> so you're not guaranteed to take damage for, for being noisy, but you're more likely to take damage for it. Yes. It's, it's a really simple board game. Like Everything on it is very self-explanatory. All yeah. of the, the imagery explains what you have to do on all the, the squares. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, we had a lot of fun every time we've played we it. We really did. Um, I think we we ended up playing like nine games of that over the holiday period. That was yeah, we played quite a few games. Fun. What what I thought was really nice is that there's a lot of board games like that that say two two players up to however many players, but mm. a lot of them don't really work with two people. We played. Uh, we tried to play King of Tokyo. That yeah, didn't really work. King of Tokyo doesn't work super well with two people. Uh, Clank works incredibly well with two people. Um, it scales up really well as well. Like it's mm. it's a, it's a different but equally good game with like four players. I think we yeah, played we it played with. with four, yeah. But two players, you could totally have a two-player game of Clank. Uh, there's a second more difficult dungeon on the back of the board, which oh. was really fun for us. It is the game that keeps on giving. Yeah, like I, we we played several games of it. And we were still seeing new cards we hadn't seen. It seems like a really good, like, easy to explain board game that doesn't require a huge amount of pre setup. If you don't like the uh, fantasy uh, or the uh, medieval periods uh, concept, there is a clank in space option, which, <gasps> oh. as far as I can tell, having looked at the cards, is basically exactly the same game with a reskin for space. Which, that's pretty cool. It even has a space version of Mr. Whiskers, which is my favourite card in Clank. Ah, uh, the teeny tiny cat that helps teeny you tiny with cat. Teeny tiny cat called Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> Mr. Whiskers. Uh, there was one other games thing you put down this week. Uh, not a thing you've played, but mm-hmm. a bit of games news. Did you want to mention yes. that? Please. Um, the spiritual successor to Theme Hospital, Two Point Hospital. Indeed. So the trailer came out. For anyone that doesn't know Theme Hospital, it was a PC comedic hospital simulator on uh, in the mid nineties. Is that right? Thereabouts. Uh, I think it also had a PS One release hmm. and possibly others. But yeah, it was um, sort of US hospital theme uh, simulator management game. So you build your hospital. You build all the various. Uh, sort of wards and uh, diagnostic suites and uh, curative things and all of the diseases were quite comedic so you would have like people wandering in with massive massive heads it's ah they've clearly got a case of bloaty head (laughs) so you send them to the the gp and the gp will go hmm i don't know what you have let's send you over here to to have this diagnostic done on you eventually they will discover bloaty head and they will come up with a cure for it, which is basically... I think for bloaty head, it's that they stab you your head so it pops, and then they reinflate the rest of the head. <laughs> there was rather uh, hilariously... there was uh, It was made by Bullfrog. So any any of you Bullfrog peeps, I don't think Molyneux was involved. Uh, <laughs> your Bullfrog, friend. Bullfrog are British, aren't they? They're a yeah. British developer. Wasn't Molly at, at Bullfrog at one point? He was at Bullfrog still, at one point. Yeah. I don't think he was Dungeon Keeper this. Is. No, I think it was a bit late on. It was post-theme hospital. Uh, th- post-theme park. Pre-theme park world. Um, theme, mm. theme hospital was one of those games that the fans kept going for a long time after. There were fan patches that would make it run on modern systems. I think GOG had a, a version of it before many others that, that kept working. There was the hilariously uh, removed affliction in the game. Uh, one of them was pregnancy. Uh, oh. Which was... <laughs> 
are hilariously caused by pa- uh, blackouts, power failures. <laughs> well, what do you do in the dark? Mm-hmm. I see what you mean now. <laughs> do you know what I'd like to see more of? What would you like to see more of? Uh, all right, mate. All right, mate. How are you doing? Oh, yeah. Good, good mate. Good, mate. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say that. I have had a bit of a weird day. I had to have a bit of an argument with someone at work. Oh, what what, what happened? What happened, mate? They were throwing a tea slur around. I was throwing a tea slur around, huh? Absolutely unacceptable. Just come out with it right in front of me. And I, I, I don't know what they think it, it, they think of me, that they think it's acceptable to use that kind of language. Do they think I'm okay with that kind of thing just because I'm not trans myself? Oh, goodness. So, considering that this was a workplace, I'm, I'm expecting that... that it, at best, you probably got some some of that good old performative ally shit where, you know, someone will say, knock it off, but they might do so while laughing and it's clear that they're doing it because they're supposed to or they're doing it for cred and they're not actually caring about the, 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 the purpose of their argument. Well, I made it very clear that I, I was absolutely not into this performative allyship. The fact that he come back at me saying, you know, ooh, 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 you're not trans so you shouldn't oh, obviously that's not what he said sadly oh, yeah. but um, I, I've corrected him on why use of that particular language is not acceptable just just because I myself am not trans there could be people who are are stealth or in the closet or or have trans family members and don't feel that they can speak up I think it's very important to you know make sure that people are aware that prejudice of any kind is not acceptable Oh, indeed. And even even if no one was like that, even if there weren't no trans people around anyway that you didn't know about, you should still do it, because that's the, pro- the point of allyship, is you don't do it just when it's easy or just when they're around. You do it all the time, because it's important that the that, that people of all minority groups have allies around when they can't fight them battles themselves. Well, we exactly, we're trying to make the world a better place. And, and you know, I think the, 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 the more these bigots are aware that nowhere is safer than to air their shitty views is, is all the better. Oh, exactly. Just just because you're not doing it to a group's face doesn't mean you shouldn't be corrected on it. And that's the thing. It's, it's, you don't just do it when it's trendy or when there's people watching. You do you do allyship all the time. And that's, that's you know, doing proper allyship that is not just performative. Hello, Sparkies. Uh, hi. I, I've got a, I've got an electrical problem. Um, I've got quite an old fuse board, and it seems like it's, it's broken. But I can't seem to find anywhere that sells the old style fuses rather than the, the, the new flip switches. Uh, do, do you know if you can help? Uh, you got an old style RCD? Yeah, no, it shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be a problem. You um, wouldn't happen to be trans though, would you? Yeah, I don't see how that's relevant. Well, you know, it's, it's it's all very important. You know, you might want to make sure that we're treating these things correctly. Obviously, we don't want to uh, bring you to any harm. We want to make sure that you are treated with the utmost care, and uh, because trans people obviously do need special care and attention, and and uh, and and also, you know, we we do need a specialist. So I'll tell you what, I'll I'll send Steve round in about an hour. And then, uh, in about a year from now, we'll be able to send Mike round, and Mike will give you a second opinion. The two of them will uh, compare their notes, and they'll 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 let you know if they'll be able to uh, to help you out, what? get you. Why, get your lights back why, on. why do I need two opinions? Like I'm 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 the one that can see my fuse board and can see like the, the burnt piece where this fuse has gone. Like surely I know better than than someone on the other end of the phone what the problem is, and surely you can just send someone to to fix. The problem. Oh, no, so it's, oh no, no, no! Don't, don't get, don't get me wrong. We certainly will be sending somebody out to help, but obviously we do need to make sure that you're absolutely sure that you you do want the lights back on. I'm, I'm before, telling you, I... before we make any uh, any uh, you know any, any mistakes that can't be reversed. Well, I'm I'm telling you now, I would like the lights back on, please. Well, I, obviously, that is is what you think. That's 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 very important. Absolutely. But uh, it would be wrong of us to, to to move forward. How about how about I will get someone round there with some batteries, and you can start taking those. See if you can get like maybe a torch on, 
And then, uh, you know, after a, a year of just trying that out, we don't want to do anything that's irreversible. And then from there, we can move forward. We'll get the specialist and we'll see if we can move forward. Maybe getting like a, a senior technician down uh, just to, to sign you off finally. And, and, and we, we might even look at replacing your entire fuse board for you. See, considering that I am not a trained electrician, you know... Yeah, the, the the number of hoops you're making me jump through, I have half a mind to just go and find a fuse myself and fix it because, you know, solve the problem myself because you're really making me jump through unnecessary hoops here. Look, I understand there is a lot of frustration. This is a, a, a confusing time for you. But obviously we do need to make sure that you're absolutely sure this is right for you. No snap decisions. Obviously, you're very sure now. But in a, in a couple of months' time... You you might have you might say you know this is this is right for me I was wrong I I should be in, in the dark with no power or or anything you know that I think you know, it's very important not to rush these things I mean what if a child was involved There is a child involved I want them to be able to live in a house where I'm not upset because there's no lights Well I mean I think we we need to consider very very carefully that whether or not that's that's right for them. This is what the medical establishment does to trans people. Did it? Oh, side note: while we're while we're recording oh, this, right. um, uh, yeah, I might as well just mention this while while it's going on. Uh, there's a bunch of weird Nintendo Switch stuff just got announced uh, while we're recording this. We are live reporting. Yeah, so live reporting. <laughs> um, there's a new thing for the Switch called uh, Nintendo Labo, uh, and it's uh-huh. a series of build and play experiences that are all weird things you can do with the Switch. So they're all made of like cardboard that comes flat packed, and you fold it up and like connect things together with cardboard. And some of the examples are like. Uh, here's a piano where you put the the switch into the top of this like cardboard piano you've made, and all of the the cardboard keys of the piano will do things. Or here's like a motorbike that you make out of cardboard, and you put the Joy-Con in the throttle, and you turn the throttle, and it'll make the the game go. It's a bunch of weird games you make by folding cardboard and putting the switch into it. Okay. How weird and odd. Like one one involves like putting the Joy-Con into a cardboard fishing rod. This is yeah, this is super weird. Uh-huh. How you, you sound very confused by it. I'm very confused by this. <laughs> yeah, do you want it do you want me to send you the trailer so you can see what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm googling it now. Um Nintendo UK has just tweeted about it, might be the easiest way to find it. They've tweeted a video. Lobo. Labo. Oh, L- Labo. A- L-A-B-O. Oh. <laughs> Some cardboard. But yeah, this is a super weird looking thing. What? How? What? Are you watching this cardboard piano be used in a game? How? What? I don't entirely know yet. That's still confusing to me. I I don't know if there's any good write-ups on this yet. So it's papercraft. What? Yeah. So I'm having I'm having a quick read on time now. Um, Nintendo what? Labo, a new Is line. Is that using of... the vibration control to pilot a, like a a nanobot thing? I assume so. Nintendo Labo is a new line of do-it-yourself products that lets Switch owners build interactive cardboard add-ons for the console. It involves sheets of modular cardboard cutouts that, when assembled, can take the form of various Switch accessories. The company calls those accessories Toy-Cons. So you put your Joy-Con in a Toy-Con. I want to hear what Jim's got to say about that. Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, for seventy dollars, you get a variety what? pack. Uh, for, you get a variety pack with five different kits, including two RC cars, a motorbike, a fishing rod, a house, and a piano. A separate eighty dollar kit lets them uh, lets switch owners build a wearable robot suit. They both come out on April twentieth. Um, they work in conjunction with an app that walks players through assembling them. The app includes games specifically designed for them, as well as interactive graphics explaining how the cardboard-crafted accessories function. 
yeah, you've got the build section of the app, the play section, and the discover section. This is super weird. Um, Users have the option to fast forward through certain steps to speed up the process. Videos are filled with flourishes to make them amusing to watch. Yeah, this is just build papercraft cardboard things that you can then play Switch games with. I feel like that is something that I am going to probably end up buying and playing with and then finding it squashed under something at some later time. Yes, I agree with you that I don't think it's going to survive terribly long necessarily, but... (laughs) For the price! See, here's the thing. Uh, A, essentially those are just, like, printed on cardboard. I imagine, like, very quickly you will get people being like, here is a thing you can print out (laughs) on paper, glue onto cardboard, and cut out yourself. Yeah. So, I I don't imagine it's going to be long before that's the case. Well, I don't know if there will be, like, a download code to make the actual game function bits work. I have no idea, because, again, why not just download the game and just, like, pretend you've put the Joy-Cons in these places? Hmm. I'm curious. It's a very Nintendo thing. Um, well, yes. Yeah, it's... it's it is fun, very Nintendo. Is it is silly, weird fun that no one would have guessed. It's like, here's I... Nintendo's new thing, put your Switch in cardboard. I I want that robot suit to fit me, but I am um, giant gal. I I I am also quite. I'm I'm more than child sized gal, and I I have no idea if there will be adult sized versions of it. But worst case scenario, I'm sure the internet will be like, here, print this out, glue it to cardboard, scale it up. Heck. So I I kind of want to make the robot suit. <laughs> I want to make the robot suit. I want to make the piano. I want to know how the heck that works. Yeah. Assuming it does. Uh, <laughs> assuming I, it does anything rather than just go, look, we made paper craft. I assume it has to work. So, like, this will be this will be interesting because I work in the games industry. There's probably going to be a day where I have to go into the office and sit building cardboard and go, I'm playing my piano. That sounds like a really good stream right there. That does indeed, doesn't it? I... Nintendo, if you're listening, please send me cardboard so I can sit on a live stream and make cardboard pianos for people. I would watch the heck out of that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was a bit of a diversion from from where we were. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, happy yeah, to have a theme, bit of news. Theme, theme Hospital is getting its follow-up two-point hospital. I think we kind of got interrupted in the mm. middle of that by me. <laughs> no, no, I think that's important stuff. I'm glad that we have learned a new thing. Yeah. Do you need a bra? Uh, what what kind of bra are you offering me? Do you need a bra for fancy occasions? I do. What kind of bra is that? Nice one, bra. <laughs> nice one, bra. <laughs> do you need a bra that will help you locate, you know, whether something where, where something falls on a vertical axis? What's up, bra? <laughs> <laughs> do you need a bra with a pocket for coins? Yeah. Can't you change, bra? <laughs> Do you need a bra that will help you to prevent water from going further down the river? Damn, bra. Damn, bra. <laughs> Do you need a bra that has a clear sealed tube that has some liquid in it and an air bubble? Right. Level with me, bra. <laughs> uh... Do you need a bra that has very little material to it at all? Not much, bra. <laughs> do you need a bra that's completely strapless? Yes, I do. Back off, bra. <laughs> uh, do you need a bra that will help keep you cool in hot summer weather? Big fan, bra. Oh, I was going to go for chill, bra. Chill, bra. Chill, bra. Do you need a bra with a white clean target on the front? I know where this is going. Come at me, brah. <laughs> I think that ends that segment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I... No, I'm not. That was funny. <laughs> oh, uh, hello. Sorry, sorry to bother you. I've just, uh, just arrived on the scene. Detective Roberts here. I just need updating on the status of our crime scene. Well, Detective Roberts, the subject was an icy 12 elfin creature. Most likely a pixie. There is an awful lot of glitter everywhere. 
This one appears to be silver? Ugh, sorry, I... Ugh, it's a frankly it's horrifying not amount for the of faint glitter. of stomach. No, I... Sorry, it never gets easier seeing this amount of glitter splattered around a room. No, I don't know how they managed to get it way up in the treetops. Can you tell me anything about the way this pixie died from the, ugh, the glitter splatter? Given the amount of glitter and the distance that it's travelled, I would say some kind of heavy bludgeoning instrument, possibly a large creature. I'd say something in the sort of troll, giant, or hobgoblin sort of level. Uh, this is this is what happens when you have this great a, a disparity between creature sizes. For all we know, this could have just been an unfortunate, horrific accident. That there's just issues that occur. Well, according to the splatter trails for the glitter, it's clear that this was almost certainly no accident because you can see over here where the victim seems to have been smashed against that tree. But then there is a mark there where they've landed. And then over there, there is another mark where there is quite a lot of cast off. But it also looks like the victim has hit that tree as well. It's clear that the victim was really rather knocked around this small clearing. I, I don't... Oh, I, sorry, I'm, I'm going to need a second. I'll look, I'm going to go look at my notes just so I can stop looking at this room full of... Oh, sorry, I believe we've got a... Is that a, is that a call coming in? Sir, we've had a bit of a lead at the local GUM clinic. And uh, what's, what's the lead? Someone's come in with a severe case of craft herpes. There is news. What's the news? Huge, massive life personal update that I'm sure everyone who listened to the pilot episode will be really, really desperate to know. What is it? I found one of my sets of nail clippers. Where were the nail clippers? Uh, they were next to my bed, slightly tucked under it, underneath all the, the extension leads and cables and phone stuff, and spare switch charger. Amazing news! It wasn't a good pair, but... I still haven't found my expandy clothes ball. What? Yeah, I have no idea where Smudge eat it? <laughs> smudge may have eaten it. My cat Smudge may have eaten it because smudge. it lives in my office and now it's not in my office. Where did it go? Did you take it upstairs by any chance? No, I looked upstairs. It's not in my bedroom either. Smudge must have eaten it. Yeah, Smudge must have eaten it. Uh if if I know if I try and like, you know, put my hands on her side and she expands and gets smaller again, uh, then uh rub her one way, she gets much bigger. <laughs> Ah, and with that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up for this week. So we should do self-promotion-y type things. Where can you be found on the internet, Jane? I can be found as Maniac Janiac on Twitter and on YouTube. And that's about it. That's, those are the things I do. Those are some good things that you do. Uh, you can find me at Laura K. Buzz, most places with usernames. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can also find me on a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Dice Funk, where it's very uh, good. you can jump into any any season. I'm in seasons three and four. They're all standalone stories. In season four, which is currently ongoing, I play basically a Yu-Gi-Oh wizard. And, and that, Best wizard. I, I am a big fan of my like terrible, trashy Yu-Gi-Oh wizard character. He's, he's, he's wonderful. I must know what happens to Frank. I oh, must oh. know. I've recorded the next episode. Things happen. Ooh. I know you know. <laughs> but I need to know and I won't know till Sunday. You'll know the same day as the people this are goes listening up. to this. Yeah. <gasps> McGasp. <Ooh. laughs> uh, hello, th- us from the future. He- hello, us from the future. I hope, I hope you're having a good Sunday, us from the mm. future. Right. And with that, until next time, Be a stranger.